What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 20 of Café con Santos. We have made it to, we have made it through 20 whole episodes, which is it's a, it's a pretty cool accomplishment. Today we have Father Ryan and we have Antonio. And so the way that these podcasts works is we basically, well, I basically interview uh, friends, spiritual directors, and other members of the community. And then we share a little bit about our Catholic faith while reflecting on the life of Catholic saints. And again, today we have a returning guest. Uh, we've had Father Ryan on season one, season two, and you know we couldn't go season three without having him. <laughs> and then we also have Antonio, who was with us during season one. You guys might have remembered him as Luigi. <laughs> yes, I remember Luigi. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this is going to be uh, a little different, I guess. It's, it's going to be more like an open conversation, just as lay and, and a priest and just people who, who do ministry in the community. Uh, but before that, we're going to start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We ask that you send your Holy Spirit to guide us, to be with us in this podcast. I ask that you help us to experience joy, experience your love, and help us to be instruments, uh, help us to say whatever message that... <coughs> you would like us to share with the community and please protect us from any technical difficulties. We ask this all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right. So, um, Father Ryan and Antonio, like maybe some of the people watching this, they haven't seen your, you guys' episodes yet. So would you guys mind just sharing a, a little bit about who you are, what, what you do? I see that you got a, Roman Cotter right there. <laughs> so can, whoever wants to go first. Oh, Father. Okay. Well, Father Ryan, I am a priest in Solidum uh, with all these parishes, uh, seven parishes within a family or, uh, or sites and uh, five parishes. So um, I am a priest in Archdiocese Detroit, and I've been uh, serving the Southwest Detroit area for definitely for at St. Anne's and Holy Trinity uh, in Holy Trinity's in Corktown. So I've been doing that for, this is my sixth year uh, serving as a priest in this um, in those parishes. And I've been part of the Southwest community since I was a seminarian. Um, it was my second year in the seminary and I started to work with the Missionaries of Charity Sisters in uh, Southwest Detroit and then um, stayed at Holy Redeemer with who's Bishop Hanchen now. He was Monsignor Hanchen. So I would help him out when I was free from the seminary. So been able to really get to know a lot of the people in community, really love them a lot. Um, and I hope they love me at least a little bit. And, um, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so, um, yeah, so that's uh, basically, I guess, on side notes, you probably want more personal stuff too, like what I like to do. Well, or, we, we can get into that later. Okay. This is just, just like a general, <laughs> who you are, what you do. My job description. <laughs> I should say first, I'm a beloved son of the loving father, number one. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Antonio. Okay, so my name is Antonio Guzman, and I am a member of Most Holy Redeemer Church in Southwest Detroit. I have done ministry for the past nine years. Um, I love to be around people, and I also work for the Archdiocese of Detroit doing Hispanic ministry. And what else? I'm Mexican, I'm from Puebla, Mexico. And I 
love soccer as well. But yeah, it's, fun uh, fact, sure. that's sure. how me and Tony first got to know each other playing yeah. soccer back when we were in middle school. Yeah, middle school. I think it was middle school. Middle right? school. Yeah. Yeah. And then my turn. My name is Ricardo Hernandez. I am a parishioner at the Basilica of Saint Anne. I've been doing well. Not I've been working. Not like getting paid for it, but serving the church and youth ministry for over, I want to say, six years. So ever since I had my uh, reversion to the faith back in 2016, I've been mainly involved with Jornadas. Uh, and then later on, got to meet Father Ryan. And then uh, further on, got connected again con Antonio, now that he's, he's involved everywhere. And, and that's kind of the situation for us three right here. I feel like we're all involved uh, in a lot of different things. So I don't know, just Father Ryan, I, I know that you are involved with right now to you. So just for context, this, this podcast is mainly going to be, it's open, but it's going to be mainly about uh, Hispanic youth ministry and Southwest Detroit, but in general ministry and, and serving God. And we know that serving God can look, uh, it, it could look in different ways, you know. But could you talk a little bit about the the different ministries you've been involved with? Because you you mentioned Southwest Trip, but you were also over at Shrine, right? Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your experience doing ministry? Yeah. So um, yeah, at both parishes that I was assigned to as a priest yeah. and everything. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I my first assignment was at Shrine at Little Flower in Royal Oak, Michigan. And that, that was a big place. And uh, they have a grade school and a high school. And they also have masses. I always tell people this at 6 a.m. or something like that. It's very early. Or uh, 7 a.m. But you hear confessions at like 6 a.m. So um, it's a very active parish. And it was a, it was a very good community there. Um, there was some very strong, intentional disciples of Jesus there that were really awe-inspiring to see. And um, I was part of the Hispanic ministry there, um, especially Armanda Blanca. Um, which I hear isn't there anymore, um, but it was. Um, so, uh, what's Armada Blanca? Armada Blanca is um, uh, basically it's a post, um, an apostolate that teaches uh, young people how to pray the rosary and contemplate the rosary, but also to live the life um, according to the you know revelation of Our Lady of Fatima. So, it's very moving actually as a priest because. Um, there would be like a box and the kids would pray the rosary and they sing songs. They do beautiful songs to make it more interactive and attractive for the, for the young, young people. And this is usually young, young people like middle schoolers, um, eight, 10 years old, eight, 10 years old. Yeah. And so, um, but seeing some of their faith is pretty amazing. And we do adoration. We did adoration and seeing like little kids just fall down before the Lord and prayer. Um, and then also seeing they would have a box. So after they did the rosary, they would offer like, okay, what are you going to sacrifice, you know, offer up for God this week? And you just see kids like write stuff. And like, instead of their parents telling them, you know, don't do this or do that, they willingly want to like offer a gift to God and I'm going to give up TV or I'm going to be kind to my brother this week. So it was very moving. Um, you know, it's something like I was very touched by seeing the youth, um, and I think it, they have a quote on their shirt that from Padre Pio that the youth um, who pray will save the world. Ooh. And I thought that was very powerful, especially those who the youth who pray the rosary will save the world. And so, <clears throat> so I got into Hispanic ministry. Well, I was in Hispanic ministry in the, in the seminary, but then I got into Hispanic ministry there. And then obviously at 
Santa Ana and uh, Holy Trinity, they have um, a good amount of uh, Hispanic people there. And um, should I talk about the groups now or? Well, wherever you want. Like this is open and feel free, Antonio, to step in and ask questions as yeah. well whenever yeah. you like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I always felt very, to me, like my heart felt very connected to the Latino community, a very natural way. Um, ever since I was in the seminary, I got to know families on a very personal level. One family I remember, um, their daughter, uh, I think she was three at the time, had cancer, and they would invite me um, to Children's Hospital to visit her. And um, and I remember it was a beautiful moment because I'm studying to be a priest at that time. And I, I did pray in the chapel. I said, Lord, this, this little girl should live. And I said, I, I said, give me her cancer so she can live. Just give mm. it to me, Lord, and um, let her be alive. And, um, and uh, yeah, just beautiful memories. I remember visiting her, and I had a picture of Jesus. And you could see how scared she was. And um, I put the picture in front of her, and she kissed it, you know. And it was just so beautiful, the hope she had in Christ. And, uh, and, and, uh, so I was able to be with that family. This was like, even before I was a priest and, uh, I still am friends with them and she's doesn't have cancer. And, glory be to God. Yeah. Glory be to God. Yeah. And, um, the family I'm very close to like, they're like family, family to me. So I don't know. I just always felt connected to the Hispanic community. I always liked the music. I liked the culture and maybe my personality is more like, I don't know, kind of Hispanic in the sense of like, I'm more laid back with things. I'm not as like punctual stuff I guess like <laughs> I mean just kind of like hey you know it's all right you know and that culture I just feel more um kind of content so you with. feel like more more at home with or more connected I, I suppose with, with Hispanics because mm -hmm. I, I talked with uh father Kevin and and we if you haven't checked out that podcast go check it out he also mentioned that he he really like there's something about the culture that we have that that is kind of I don't know, inspiring or like it just, it, it, it up, up, uplifts him in his own faith and like kind of strengthens him. Well, what about you, Antonio? What, what do you think about Hispanic ministry? Hispanic. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, this is Hispano, so. <laughs> Let me think about it. <laughs> so um, where should I start? So I was also at Shrine for a couple of years as well. Uh, Were you there when he was there? I wasn't there when he was there. Uh, this was, I think, after he left, after mm -hmm. Father Ryan left, that I started working at Shrine of the Little Flower, helping the, the Hispanic community. So that was actually like my first paid job at a parish. Was that also your first, first big boy job? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was already working for the diocese. Oh. Uh, so yeah, um, I'm going to go back to the beginning. Uh, when I started... I started as a volunteer at my home parish, Holy Redeemer. So I used to do youth ministry. And, and you know, that that's mainly how I remember you. You were the coordinador del Grupo de Jóvenes at Holy yes. That's how I mainly remember you. <laughs> yeah, so I started, well, after I had my encounter with God in 2013, I was like really excited about the faith and I, I wanted to change the world. I wanted everyone like to meet Jesus. <laughs> And it was just like this uh, excitement that I had. So I, I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember that the DRE from Holy Demer encouraged me to start taking class at uh, Sacred Heart. Uh, uh, seminary. The seminary, yeah, the seminary. So I went, uh, no, I didn't went. They came to the parish 
uh, to recruit people to start the certificate in, in Catholic theology. So I applied and I ended up getting into Sacred Heart and then they invited me to be part of the youth group. So I started attending the youth group every week and after like three months, they invited me to, to run their social media pages. So you were first volunteering? Yes. And then you took classes? No, it was, it was, everything was happening at the same, the same time. So I encountered God and people started like inviting me like to get like forms. So they, they wanted me to go to Sacred Heart to get like more formation. So I went and then they invited me to be part of the group. So everything was happening like at the same time. And I was, I was just like doing it because I, I, I was like so hungry, like just like to, to know more about God. So I started taking the classes and then started getting involved in the youth group. And then after like three months of helping them with their um, social media pages, they invited me to be like part of the core team or the, like the, yeah, like the, 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 the leading board, team, the yeah. leading team that, that runs the group. So I went to the first meeting and then. ¿Cómo se llamaba el grupo? Se llamaba Jóvenes Caminando con Jesús. Se ¿El, llama. El, todavía existe okay. ya. Jóvenes Caminando con Jesús. So, empecé a ir y me invitaron a, a que fuera parte de su mesa. So I went and so I'm trying to, to remember. So after like five months, they, they did like those cambios de mesa when they elect like new people to, like to run the groups. And so they, they chose me as the as a vice president or sub-coordinator. I forgot the title they had at that time. And I was, I was just saying yes to everything. Cause I was just like, yes, I want to, I want to change the world. I want to uh, share Jesus with everyone. So I, I said yes to the position. I didn't even, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just said like, yes, I, I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. I didn't know what it entailed like to be the, the sub-coordinator. So, um, I started like learning how to do ministry while I was getting formed at the same time. And after a year, the, the coordinator quit the position and they, they told me, Oh, you're the, the next in line because you're the, the sub coordinator. And I was like, what does that mean? And he like, they told me, you're going to be like the one running the group. You're like now in charge of the group. And I was like, sure. I'll, I'll. Oh, it must be the plan yeah, of that. <laughs> yeah. So I started just leading the group and I did that for three years. And after that, um, I remember the day the diocese started a synod, synod 16. So um, uh, I, don't, I don't know how it worked, but I remember that Father Dennis invited me to be part of the synod, but we had to submit like a, an application. And they were going to send that application to the diocese and the, someone in the diocese was going to select who, who were the people who were going to participate in the synod. After I filled out that form, they sent it and I forgot about the form. So after like three months, they, they sent a letter back to us saying that we were invited to be part of the synod. I didn't know anything about the synod. Everything in, in church Ministry was new to me, so I was just saying yes to everything. So I went to the synod. I was able to to meet uh, Bishop Henshin, Bishop Cepeda, and at that time, Carla Flores, who was the Hispanic ministry mm -hmm. coordinator. Mm -hmm. Which is the position you have right yeah, now. Yeah, which is the position mm -hmm. that I have now. So I went, and uh, the synod lasted, I think, four days or three days. So we were just gathering and discerning on what the diocese needed to do to 
to move into the becoming a missionary church. And I think that's when everything started for me because after I met with after I met Carla, Bishop Henshin, and Bishop Cepeda, um, they started to invite in, they invited me to go to a planning meeting because they wanted to start something with Corazón Puro. Mm-hmm. So Marta Galindo was at that meeting because she she had like this proposal of bringing Corazón Puro. So we went with Carla, who was the Hispanic ministry coordinator. I went to the first meeting. Uh, Patrick Howard, who was the who is the young adult ministry coordinator, was there as well. And on that meeting, Carla uh, asked me if I wanted to help with Hispanic ministry as a pay job. So she asked me, "I have this position. We're doing Quinto Encuentro. I have like ten hours, uh, and I'm looking for someone who can help me." And I told her. Uh, I'm not sure because I already have like my full time job. I was working at a at a factory doing uh, so. Uh, it was a supply company for GM. So I was I was doing fine. I was like, I don't know. Let me think about it, and I'll, I'll <coughs> talk to you later on. So I I accepted the position, and that's when everything started. So I went and and started working with Carla, and from there it's been an amazing journey. Just like be able to share the faith and work with the community and do what I, but it's uh, possible to, to continue spreading the, the gospel. Yeah. So it's, it's been a quite a, a journey. I, I never expected this to happen. I had other plans in my life. I wanted to become a, either a teacher or a, a dentist. I, uh, those, those were like my, my goals. My goals. Yeah. That, that was my vision. If I don't become like a teacher, a dentist, I would, probably just become a teacher because I love like teaching and I ended up doing ministry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So similar to you, when I had my encounter with Christ, <laughs> like I, I was like, Oh, I, I need to, ch- I need to go tell the world about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I remember at the time I was, uh, I think like a junior in college or at the university of Michigan. And, uh, yeah. And, and it was thanks to Jornadas. Uh, Jornadas is, Still right now, we're, we're struggling a little, but I think uh, just about every ministry right now, especially youth ministry, is struggling. Um, but I remember, like, every week I would, I would meet with them every Saturday night. And just about every week I, I received something. I received a grace from, uh, from those meetings, and it, can, it helped me to continue. But at the time, I, I was still pretty much... I was still like I'm sure there's like a, a process for uh, the spiritual life when you're you're still like rooting out habitual sins, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what would what would that be called? If you there's remember? a purgative, the lumentive, and the unitive. Okay, so yeah, I think I was definitely in the purgative because every Saturday, like I would go to jornadas <laughs> and then I would drive back to an Arbor to a party because <laughs> my house was basically like every every weekend we would have a party. But I still little by little stopped like drinking, stopped smoking. And I started to realize, you know, I, I do want to have a, a change in my life. Um, but when I reflect back, I, I do feel like it was it was it was a radical transformation because it, like everything about me, I wanted to offer it to God. And I, 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 I feel like I was on fire and I'm still on fire, although right now I feel like I feel the the pain of that fire more than I did back then, just because, you know, sometimes you, 
como dices, you, you say yes and yes and yes, and, and you need to learn to say to no. Say no sometimes. But um, but yeah, it was around 2016, and then around uh, maybe like two years later is when I got to serve one of the jornadas retreat, and that's really when I started to experience like a, a deeper conversion because uh, you know obviously if you're going to be serving a retreat, you you have to be a person that is uh, praying more and obviously working with a team uh, with the rest of the team. And, and something about being with those guys and those girls, you know, working together, it, it like helped me experience like inner healing um, because, you know, I, I've shared before on my podcast that I really had a, a difficult time accepting the, the love of God, specifically his forgiveness. And so once I served that retreat, like it was like deeper and deeper healing within. And then um, later on, maybe like a year later is when... Father Ryan uh, talked a little bit about uh, Corazon Puro. And so, Father Ryan, we, we heard uh, Antonio mention a little bit yeah. about Corazon Puro. Could, could you try to, like, if you remember those days, try to, like, connect it to, like, what, what it was like starting that and where it is right now and, and whatnot? Yeah, I would say in the early days of Corazon Puro, it had really beautiful memories. Um, you know, Martha Galindo is really the, the founder of it. And uh, she had a powerful experience in the retreat in New York, and she just came back on fire. And she's a, obviously a very talented person. And so when um, uh, I remember she had a desire for it, and it just seemed like it was kind of hard to get it shared with the people who have um, decision power, who have power in the archdiocese. And, you know, it's something foreign they're not aware of. So so she was always kind of knocking on the door. Um, and then... Um, And then so uh, when she explained it to me and uh, she was a secretary at the time, we started to um, work on navigating ways to, to get it open and, um, and to move forward with it. And it was great because uh, we had like a lot of ideas and a lot of things, probably too many ideas at that time, like we're just slow steps. And um, fortunately, by God's grace, <clears throat> we were getting it known more by um, different priests and people in the archdiocese. And then we sent a pretty good Uh, group uh, to their, they have like three stage retreats, first stage, second stage, three, third stage. And we sent a, a pretty good amount. We raised a lot of money, a good amount of money for it and sent um, a good amount of youth to the retreat. And we had a good amount that came back um, and that were on fire and we were moving in a good direction. And, and just like how life goes, there's ups and downs. And it had a good momentum for a while. And then, um, and then obviously with COVID uh, taking place, it kind of took a hit, but we quietly and um, by God's grace persevered even through it was when it was just like, just, you know, interviews online or whatever. Um, we still continued to go. And um, and right now then the, uh, by God's grace, even when, you know, I was away for some time and even when I was away, the team kind of just, you know, kept it uh, going And I really admired that in them. So I saw the Holy Spirit work through them. And uh, it has persevered to the point we're going to have a bonfire soon. Yeah, a bonfire <laughs> with Bishop Hanson. Which we haven't had for like three years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, I mean, another reason that I, I do these podcasts is to kind of like, like, I don't think, well, I want to like connect all the different stories going on in, in Southwest Detroit or just in general in, in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Because, uh, like, if you notice, I, I interview people from different ministries, like priests and, and whatnot. 
And I'd, I'd hope that one day, you know, the, the future generations would, would look back and be like, oh, so so that's what ministry looked like. Like th- these are some of the activities that, that used to have back in the day. Um, but now I, I guess like uh, I'd like to, and again, if you guys want to throw in anything, feel feel free. Like, I don't know, Antonio, do you have any, any things that are coming up to you right now? No. Not yet? Not yet. Well, I well, want to talk, yeah, I want to talk about is the, well, yeah, going back to those those three stages, because mm-hmm. like as soon as he said, you know, I was on fire. Like, I feel like we see that a lot con los jóvenes. Like, Father Ryan, what what is your experience like? Mm-hmm. Youth who who experience a retreat, and then they're on fire, and, and then what happens? Yeah, well, I mean, it, traditionally in the spiritual tra- tradition, it's known there's a purgative, illuminative, and Unitive and purgative is when you're trying to get out of the life of sin um, and and just be purged or get out of that life. The illuminative is you start to have like deep insights, like wow, I see why Jesus is important. I see the beauty of the church. I see the beauty of these teachings. And then the unitive is more of like a real purification, where it's a real um, invitation from God to have a real generous love, a love like Mother Teresa, where she you know, had a powerful illuminative experience. And then after that, she was asked to donate all that she has as a gift, even when she didn't feel God's presence. Um, and she felt almost an absence. So um, that's, but that's actually a deep generative union with God's love. So um, I think that with, um, with, with youth, I mean, they all come from different levels. And I think Southwest Detroit, I, I think to give, um, you know, praise to God is that I think that the community and priests and families in Southwest Detroit have done a really, really good job. And I think, I think the families are the key. I think the, the mothers and fathers and abuelitas who, who pray, I know there's one abuelita in Santisma Trinidad and I know she's like, she is the rock of that family, you know, like you just see her in the front pew and she's like, you know, she wears her nocturna, you know, medea, you know, for she's a part of, was part of this, uh, you know, night adoration group in Mexico when she was there and um, very strong person and faith. And so I think one, there's a lot of, lot of good. And really, I, I kind of sometimes think like the Latinos are going to save the church in America, you know, um, yet I think the, um, the difficult part, I think, is the different winds of influence um, where, you know, before you had more of the family influencing the community, the church, the priests. Now, because of the access, especially through social media, there's these different connections and influences that can happen. So a kid gets mad at his parents or feels estranged from from his friends. And, and so what does he do? He starts to connect with uh, social media or people who start to think of his, who hurt like he hurts. And, and they start to connect into this world where even some, some questions or views that are not what they were raised in their family are supported by somebody else that's in this artificial world. And so, so basically they're connecting with like different, different um, values and influences. And um, I think that what can happen is some people go on retreats and they have this powerful encounter with Christ and then they're purging themselves out. But it's just like what Jesus says in the gospel about the seeds, you know, that, that if it doesn't root deep, um, it can easily be tossed. And I think that the danger with young people today is there's just a stronger force. I mean, you see this with not just young people, it's with families, it's with priests, it's with religious. 
there's just a stronger force to break out the roots and uh, and leave them desolate. Um, for example, one thing could be somebody has a powerful retreat and they encounter God and they're in love with God and then disappointments happen. Well, why didn't this happen or this happen? And then suddenly it's like, because this didn't happen, therefore God wasn't there for me. Well, I'm not going to be there for God anymore. I'm just going to uh, distract my pain by by numbing it with distractions or drinking or whatever. So, um, so, and that's not a, a very deep faith, you know, uh, one that's able to take challenges and doubts and everything and still remain constant on the, on, on the pathway towards Christ. I was just going to add that um, it is important that after these young people have those encounters with God, that there's someone who can accompany them because yeah. mm -hmm. if there's no one, then it's going to be like the momentum of encountering God and they are going to fade away again because they don't have like someone who can support them or help them uh, in this journey of, that is basically a new journey for them or a new experience, a new, a new thing that they're experiencing. So we need to do better with, uh, accompaniment i think in my yeah, opinion well, yeah like being being like a support system for mm -hmm. in my experience um and i mean i've only been involved in jornadas and and uh detroit which right now we're, we're trying to become corazon puro detroit but I've, i've seen a lot of youth who live the retreat have an awesome experience are like you know super excited tears of joy <laughs> They're like, yeah, I'm gonna change, and then, like, I've I've had that 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 uh in scripture with the seeds. Like, I've seen youth who something happens in their life, and yeah, it might be big, like you know, something with family, and and then they go back to to like their old ways, and it's sad, you know. I like I understand that the Lord is still working in their lives, but it's sad because we we do our best to try to accompany them and and be there for them. In Jornadas, we say, las puertas están abiertas por si quieres salir o regresar. But it's always sad to see when, you know, when when you see someone go through that and and then just kind of go back to their old ways. Um, and we, we have seen when people come back, but for the most part, I've seen. And, and I think it might be like a grace that I experience where... Yeah, I might have had a couple of setbacks, but for the most part, I guess the 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 grace that I received from God was so powerful that it allowed me to like to go past the difficulties. But I don't know. What about you, Tony? Like you've been involved in well, obviously leading different youth ministries or organizations or groups. Like what what are some things that looking back you're like, man, like Maybe I should have done something different. Or what, what are some things that really, really worked out? That's a good question. Um, so a thing that I would have done, it was probably like just to be uh, more open, uh, to let, how would I say, just like to, To be uh, to allow the the youth to have more roles in the church, because um, I saw that that worked. Like if you give them like 
the opportunity for them like to do to serve or to do things even if it's uh, small things uh, you're going to keep them there or at least that's what worked for me because when I had my encounter I had these people who were by my side literally like teaching me the parts of the mass or uh, even uh, if it was not like church related they were there just like to listen to me even if I was like having um, see if I was going through something in my family or in my personal life they were there just like to listen to me and I think that that really helped me like to to stay inside the church because they were there uh, I felt like they they care for me and I think that's what we need to do better we need to open the doors to to the youth to be more involved in church allow them to do more things uh, at church and also be there uh, for them even if it's not church related just like your presence makes a difference in the in their lives um, I was um, teaching uh, I was giving a, a workshop the other day at a, at a conference and I was telling the, the people that their accompaniment uh, could change the the life of someone I know that God can change everyone's lives because he's God but also the small acts that we do towards people can can change the level of that person uh, probably that that young person is doesn't have like a good relationship with uh, their parents or with their uh, their siblings and he's able to find someone who he or she might feel secure uh, talking personal things that are going in their in their lives uh, that could that could mean a lot for them is uh, sometimes that, that's what I feel they need just like someone to be by their side someone who cares someone who listens so do you think in the past the the leaders at the time and maybe we were involved in that work as well we didn't listen as much as we could or we didn't you know we were too busy preaching no maybe? I, no, I no? feel that back in the days they would listen or at least they help, that's how I felt. They would listen and care. Right now, it's a little bit different because of uh, technology. Everyone is just like surrounded by so much devices that they are not even paying attention to the need, the human need that we have for interaction or for just like to be around people. They at least that's what I see. I see uh, kids who spend most of their time playing video games or in their phones. Um, and it's even, even parents, mm -hmm. you can see parents who are just like, they could be around their kids, but they're on their phones. Or at least that's what I see when I go out to eat somewhere. And then I see the whole family sitting together. They are there, but they're not connected. I would see like the mom and dad on their phones and the kids also on the tablets or on their phones. So it's, I feel like COVID brought more disconnection among people because of technology mm. uh, and I, I feel like we need to go back and reconnect again with a human person forget uh, about devices and just like have conversations or uh, yeah. listen to people I think that's what it's going to work uh, or because it no, worked no with more me. Zuma de Cristo <laughs> yeah. uh, a, for those that don't know back in 2020 when things weren't able to be in person, 
este Antonio and I, we started organizing, um, what was it, Lexia Levina on Zoom, <laughs> and we called them Zumate a Cristo. I mean, it worked, but it's, yeah. It worked outside at that moment, outside of its context, which was a, a, a society where you couldn't really meet in person, but like outside of that, you know, I don't know. Father Ryan, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said accompaniment. Um, that there's there's a few things I was thinking I want to say is that one, my kind of like an image I use about following Christ, because I do believe he is the light of the world and has risen from the dead. And I take that very seriously. Like he's revealed um, God to the world. I mean, it's it's just not like a pretty story just to give us some consolation that we have some type of hope. We have surety of hope. Um, and he does shape our deepest um, person. He does shape our minds and our hearts to the deepest level because he's light revealed to the world, like really illuminating our minds, changing our hearts and our desires. Like like he says in uh, Luke chapter six, love your enemies. And what a beautiful message for a world that still continues to like hate each other and fight each other and kill each other and all that. And he says, love your enemies. Um the beautiful power of Christ and the gospel and unleashing the gospel is something the world is still starving for and us as missionaries to bring it. So one image I like to use of like with Christ is I like to use this image of like, there's all these graves, you know, you're, you're standing at a grave site with all these graves and you can open the grave and you hear, Oh, there's a lot of fun happening down there. There is a lot of fun. Um, and I can walk into that grave and outside of the grave is the beauty of Christ, you know, to live freely in Christ. But I, I can walk into this grave and I can give up in Christ and I can still have a lot of fun, but I'm stuck in this underneath world. Um, and for me, that's kind of how I look with sometimes like young people when, they're, when we're talking about making decisions. Like you have this beautiful thing, you're, you, get, you encounter Christ, you're outside of the grave. Um, and it, there's a beauty to it. You know, the sun's shining. It's beautiful. It might not be as electrifying, but there's a there's a deepness to it, a goodness to it. Now you can open that grave and say, I can leave this and I can go down here. Like people are having fun. People are partying. People are just like, wow, it's like very attractive. And I can give up on Christ and go to the grave, but there's a consequence of that. And the consequence is I'm stuck in this place. I'm not really free. And I, I think that with young people, uh, it, I want to get to a different point with accompaniment. I'm sorry. I'm just, yeah, but why I say this is because, because <clears throat> without Christ, for me personally, without Christ, I'm stuck in a grave because there's like, that's why I think it's very, it is very trying if a young person gives up Christ and they take on the world. Cause what do you have in the end? You, you have death. Um, and, and I like this one priest. He says, uh, he says we have to take back the liturgy of death. He says when um, when even, you know, back in the days uh, when you didn't have all these hospitals and nursing homes, you would see death on a regular basis in your home. You know, your grandmother would be dying. Even some of your, your brothers or sisters, you would actually see dying the home. You would see the dying process. And that dying process always had an impact in the family as like, wow, there, there is a God, there is, I need the Lord, like life is fragile, this is not forever. But now, especially in the United States, we've sterilized death. You know, once death starts happens, we put it in a room in a hospital, it's kind of like almost looks Send like them it's... to daycare or to the, where the, the senior, 
nursing homes. Yeah, and you know, some nursing homes look like little. I mean, I've been to a nursing home that looked like almost like a mini Disneyland. You know, like that. You know, they try to make it. It's a very artificial. And nothing against nursing homes. Sometimes they're needed, but the way that the culture kind of portrays like um, sickness and death. We kind of don't see it as much. That's the thing. And so the fragility of life isn't isn't there. Um, people think they're just going to live forever. Um, they don't see the constancy of death. And that's why that one priest is like, we need to take back death. You know, that's how he says it too. We need to take back death, the liturgy of death. You know, when you... Does, it, does he mean it like to view death in a beautiful way, like as a part of, a part of our life? Well, he says... I. Um, yes, in a sense, because that's when we become most like Christ is when we die in Christ, we become most human. But he, he I think he says it um, mainly that we need to see the reality that's out there that we want to hide. You know, we want to hide this reality that there is sickness and death. Yeah, and every, you, you often share, like, everybody wants to be forever 21. <laughs> yes, every, forever 21. Yeah, like, nobody's going to get sick and die or suffer, you know. And um, But he says we just don't see it enough. You know, you would see it a lot back in the days. So I, I mention that because the door is ultimately closed without Christ, that if they relinquish the light of Christ, then then what do they have in the end? They just have this uh, kind of nihilism, and you don't have an answer to evil. You don't have an answer to death. And so you're stuck in a grave. It might have a lot of fun on the means. Oh, yeah, I don't need Christ. I just do whatever I want. Yet in the end, you're stuck in a grave and you're dead, you know, before you're dead. So I, I just want to make that point. Uh, I hope it wasn't too, no, no, too no. strong. Because, I mean, it's definitely, quote, unquote, fun. And it's like, mm -hmm. but even like back in the, my days, like I remember I would have the most fun and yet I felt empty. Mm -hmm. Like, like I would be like in a room, like at a, a house party, everybody's drinking and smoking and I'm just like, this, this feels dry, Yeah, you know? And that's because like we've, the, the good part of it is the community to be together as, as people, you know, mm -hmm. together. The bad part is that we're incorporating things that are, leading us towards sin. Uh, but I think I, I, I was, what I was looking for and what those people were looking for was communion that can only truly be found in Christ. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and so I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what I, I try to do in, in, in the ministries that I, I'm involved with to try to have that fun and, and that family bonding, but cent center it around Christ. And so I remember earlier when you were talking, or it might have been Antonio. Um, no, I think it was you. It made me think about the allegory of the cave. You mm -hmm. know how, uh, like, one man who is who's like in a cave and you know basically enslaved with a group of other people who are blinded and and can't see the outside world. They think that what's inside the cave is reality. And then one day, one of those men is liberated and he goes and sees the world. And and once he goes and tries to liberate the other people, they, they ridicule him. Mm -hmm. And and I think right now, as we're having this conversation, I'm I'm having that realization that maybe some of the desolation that I've experienced in ministry is because it can get pretty lonely being that one guy who's out there trying to tell other people, no, like Jesus is real, God is real, God loves you. There's more to this world. Um but but it's good to have you know, friends como tu Antonio, like that are there are with us. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I was also thinking that um, when you said the community part, 
that that's a, a desire that we have because God put it put that desire in our hearts the the, the desire of belonging we are always looking like to belong <coughs> and I that's why I think it's important that we need to to be more relational with other people and instead of using more uh, technology every day because we do need that part that part of interaction with other people with other human beings who <clears throat> who are able to to feel um, I just think it's part of humanity when we are lacking those um, interactions or uh, those encounters with real people I think uh, we start to suffer or at least uh, that's what I see also when 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 I hear that someone has committed suicide uh, they are just like these people are people that are lonely by themselves most of them are just like um, the cases that I have heard uh, playing video games and then they decide that they don't want to live anymore and it's because of the same thing they're not they're just like in their rooms uh, not interacting with people so it's causing something inside of them uh, I'm, I'm not a psychologist but it's 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 making them feel uh lonely i don't know they i just feel like like every human needs other people to interact because if not we suffer somehow i don't know but we we end up suffering uh because we're we're liking those those uh not to not to say there's anything wrong with video games because i play video yeah. games but all all uh ordered you know like yeah obviously but i do think that like you said we we are made for we, we I, I mean, what was Ryan, not you, but the, the seminarian mentioned about this, how, mm -hmm. how we are first made to know and love God, but also something along those lines about, you know, we're, we're made for communion. And there's this, like, uh, how, how would you explain it? There's this, this, what's the word for it? You, your heart is longing for God and for community. And nothing in this world is necessarily going to fulfill that desire because you can only experience that fullness in heaven when you are face-to-face -face with God. But at the same time, community like allows us to experience a glimpse of that, I suppose, of that, uni that union, that communion. And so when you start to separate it, and who knows, maybe, maybe a lot of what we're seeing today is... is uh, I don't know if relapse is the word, but the the post-2020 experience of everybody's in their homes, there's no church, there's no ministry. Um, and so I, I don't know. And I think it goes with uh, what Father Ryan was saying about people who are uh, putting to uh, how do we go, the facility cares, the nursing homes. Nursing, nursing homes. These people are still alive, but it seems like they're just like, dying slowly because they don't have people to interact with. They might have other elders around them, but it's not the same thing like to have people who are really like interested in you, who really care for you, who want to to be with you. Um, or even your, the propia familia. Yeah, like, your own family. Like, I don't know, Father Ryan, what your experience was, but I think I had my tatarabuelo or my great-grandpa uh, who... He, as as he was dying, he he we they he was this was in Mexico. They never sent him to like like a nursing home, 
And so he was very old. And I remember my, it might've been my great grandpa, but I just remember he was just very old and didn't move around much. And, you know, eventually he passed away, but he was always there with family and family was there like helping him out. And I think that's the beauty that, that we have as Hispanics, uh, that we love to, to be around our elders. Uh, la abuelita, el abuelito. No los vas a ir a meter a un nursing home. They're around their grandchildren, around their, around their great-grandchildren. So, um, yeah, I think that's, a, that's a, a good thing that we need to continue fostering among, Hispanic, among the Hispanic community because it's easy um, to get, uh, how do you say, like trapped in the American culture. <laughs> that sounds right. Uh, because we 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 come from this culture where we where, where we love our elders. Where even the Coco movie portrays that mm -hmm. uh, Mama Coco surrounded by by Miguel uh, the kid. So it's I don't even know what I, what, what was my point with this, but yeah, yeah I, I feel like oftentimes <laughs> here Beth, and I don't know how we got to this point, <laughs> but maybe because it's uh, it's October and. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in general, like we, when it comes to our elders or grandparents and whatnot, we, we see their death as a burden, like, oh, like put that away. Like, I don't want to deal with it. Cause, and and uh, from, from one point you understand it because it, it makes us uncomfortable. But even me right now, like the older I'm getting, the older my parents are getting. And, and it's, it's, it's just a part of life. And like I, right now my, my dad is, I've been helping him go to his doctor appointments and, and I, I, you know, the older I get, the more I realize eventually, like, my parents are, are no longer going to be with, here with me. Um, what if you die first? Or I might die first. <laughs> or who knows? <laughs> so eventually, you know, we're, we're not going to be here. But a, a while back, it, it made me think about uh, St. John Paul II. Like, even as he was aging, like, just a, a beauty that, that he showed us, like, uh, about... How even, because what am I trying to go with this? With the allergy of the body, we, we acknowledge that every human has a dignity, even those that are practically almost dead. And we don't, we don't see them as burdens. We, we see them as people who are, are loved by God. And I remember, I don't know, what, what were your thoughts? Like because I never really, back then I, I wasn't living the faith, but as someone who was Catholic living the faith, what, were, what was your experience seeing St. John Paul II as he was dying? Yeah, I thought, um, I thought it was a beautiful gift he was given to the world and a boldness. And I think the boldness was to say, look at me, look at me in my suffering state. This is not attractive to a pro productive world that wants to utilize everything and, you know, just continue to um, maximize human pleasure and happiness through instrumentalization and money and success and power. And, here I am, the head of the church, and I'm helpless, can't do anything. I'm poor and sick, and there's beauty and goodness in this. And I I just think like he was offering himself as a sacrificial lamb, as that suffering has meaning, and um, my life has meaning to it. And I think he was kind of like being a face of the world of, of, of one, the reality of suffering, and then two, um, the beauty and dignity that he still has even of not being useful uh, to the world. I think it was a great solidarity to those who are, 
who who think they're useless and and that's why I want to go back to like with the youth ministry too is and with accompaniment is belonging um I think sometimes that um young people uh, don't realize their giftedness um to the community uh or they're they're just maybe with their family they sense a giftedness but they don't realize their that that they're, they're that just being who they are is a gift to the community and 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 people being able to acknowledge that and point that out that you are a gift to us you're you're valuable to us um and even if they have weaknesses or things that are not useful as the culture sees to still or i might even say it. even if they're not quote unquote the holiest person mm-hmm. you know maybe they're still have mm-hmm. some some things that they're trying to you know get rid of some particular sins they're right. still yeah like, loved yeah exactly they're, they're still loved and i think that's a beautiful part of christian charity is to be able to see somebody no matter what their state is and you you see the beauty of them in christ even when they don't see it or they don't display it but you're able to look in their eyes and see the christ in them even if there's stuff that's coming at you that's very negative um just that i like what you said about that that but that's not a personal level you can't really do that through zoom you know that that's really personal and i when antonio was talking about accompaniment i think that is very key and critical with with the youth groups we started at st Anne's and holy trinity that was the goal was to create an atmosphere of christian friendship where people can be accepted and belonged and that sense of like walking with each other through Christ. Um, and I see that in, especially in like Las Flores, you know, they start sharing stuff. There was one beautiful moment that where they started to open up and a couple girls started to cry as they were sharing stuff. And it was, it was a beautiful moment. Cause usually, you know, young people, you ask some questions, right? Like, you know, it's silence, <laughs> you know, cause they're so self-conscious and uh, you know, who's yeah. going to judge me or, and then when you see them be vulnerable and actually like open up, it's like, they're, you can tell there's a connectedness, but, but yeah, that accompaniment to like walk with others who will really love you in Christ. And you can be assured and have that sense that if I am the worst person, if I do the worst thing in the world, this person will stop, come and still say, Hey, how are you doing? I'm here for you. That is a great form of belonging. And to have people walk with you in faith, you know, to build you up. Um, Cause I mean, I, you know, only like, like, I mean, my experience is that those who really live the Christian faith are like the really best friends for you because they, they really want you um, to live according to the values of Christ, you know, and they're there with you. And so creating that experience where they can have encounters, but also they have moments where they can kind of grow with each other, accompany each other and encourage each other, I think is so critical in a world that's that's so, especially in our place here, it's so fractured and divided, even at the political level, everything's so, so fractured. And to have like unity and accompaniment walking with each other, I, I think is really, really critical for young people, even more so than a different culture. Um, I mean, like I think back here in the United States in the 1940s, you know, like they'll talk about in Corktown, like the, his, the early Hispanics in Corktown will talk about how their kids were running around the neighborhood and everybody could say, Hey, your, your son, you know, was Jose was like doing this or like he would get in trouble by the neighbors, you know, the parents would be notified. That was the type of bubble that they lived in. I mean, but now it's like so fractured. It's like, nobody's going to even say anything now if a kid's like smoking cigarettes or something and 
corner street you know nobody knows each other so oh, so the, the the parents like looked out for one another because they cared mm -hmm. for one another yeah then the families had a greater unity and they, they like all went to church the whole block went to the church they had this this great unity and there is a greater sense of belonging where i think you know now it's like it, the young people don't have that sense of belonging so they're trying to find it in ways that aren't bad but it's ways that like you said that aren't deep you know on the outside I mean, I always feel this experience. On the outside, you can feel something like fun and connected, but then inside, you're left like, "Hmm, this isn't this doesn't really feel deep and connected." And then when it's with Christ or it's something meaningful, like some of my best conversations where I feel most connected is when I'm talking to somebody in faith. Like actually, this conversation here, I feel like a deep meaningfulness in it. You know, it's not just like you know joking around or like you know like. <laughs> I mean, we joke around, but it's it's not like such a superficial theme. Like you know, let's let's uh, talk about how the lions lost again or something. It's like it's like the strategies for the lions, you know. <laughs> but um, but it, it has such a, a meaningfulness to it that, that that's so deep, and I love when I have conversations of faith with with people. So yeah, I think you brought out a really good point. Yeah, you just brought something else, Father. I think the the problem that we have right now is that. Uh, all the best stuff, we are normalizing it and seeing it as, as something good, even uh, when it comes to, like, to music. Um, I was thinking on, on uh, Bad Bunny, the, the, yeah. the singer. El rapero. El rapero puertorriqueño, who, who is like the top artist right now. Y me pongo a analizar los lyrics de las canciones y cada vez que los analizo más, eh, veo como la sociedad has normalized, like, the, it's... It's fine for a five-year-old, a six-year-old to be singing those kind of songs who are, uh, that are like really basically what I call um, auditive uh, porn. Because mm -hmm. it's just like the language is like so awful that I, I just think, how is it possible that parents are allowing their kids to, to hear this kind of music? And, and since it's already like normal among society, uh, it's hard like to, to fight it or to put a stop to that kind of, of thing. Sometimes I would even get like trapped on, on, on those things. Like the songs are like so catchy that you're like mumbling. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Don't get me wrong. The yeah. beats are amazing. Yeah. But like you said, the lyrics are the, terrible. Yes. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I find myself like when I start like reflecting, why am I like, listening to this music or why am I like learning the lyrics when I, when I know that are like, that the lyrics are like really saying stuff that, that it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's, I just, I just feel yeah, like that. I think the way I, I've tried to like think about it is it degrades the human person <laughs> yes. to mm -hmm. a sexual object. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not just music, but uh series in Netflix. Everything is sexualized everywhere. Uh, or even um, colleges, like you were saying. Colleges are, yes, they are getting their their status because society requires or has this vision that everyone has to be successful and then have a, a stable life. But what is happening at those colleges, at those uh, parties? Uh, it's just awful it's it's something that it shouldn't be happening but it's happening and we're just seeing like everything is normal it doesn't it doesn't matter if you do x or y you'll be fine but 
it's not right. We need to continue speaking the truth and just um, telling young people the value that they have, uh, the dignity that they have. Because sometimes they don't they don't even hear those words in their own homes, or um, they're not going to hear those truths among their circles of, of friends either. So we need to continue telling them uh, what it's. Or what, helping what is, them. Uh, what is good, right, yeah, what, and beautiful. Uh, and, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. no, that's a good point. Because the university was established at the beginning to be help people flourish. It wasn't mm -hmm. to be useful. Now it's all about utility, you know, mm -hmm. get a degree, make money. Um, or, you know, it, it, it's lost the value system or it's replaced it with a different value system. Mm -hmm. That's it's more and more. There is one priest who says we're getting to more and more nihilism where people don't believe in anything um so so i think the idea of a university was to be a flourishing human being all your capacity of intelligence and emotions and and virtues you know the living the life of the virtues you become just like one virtuous person in in the community is a beautiful gift to the community even if they they don't make big money or do big things they're virtuous people i mean anybody would want to live in a community of like you know, generous, kind, thoughtful people. And um, I think with uh, just one thing, I, you know, I say like philosophy. So one of my favorite philosophers is Dietrich von Hildebrand. There's a plug, Dietrich von Hildebrand. But he has a distinction that he makes about values. He's a, he talks about values. <clears throat> and he says, he says there's, he believes, he's like my buddy Plato. You mentioned Plato. Plato's okay. a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> Plato, Aristotle, yeah. I, I'm more sided with Plato than I am with Aristotle. But, but, um, but, uh, so, so Dietrich von Hillebrand believes that there's values out in the world. So how, how does he argue this? He kind of says, if you open your eyes and you look at the world, there's things that immediately strike to you that have intrinsic value or useful value or satisfying value or importance. So he uses this term, I think it's very good, subject, subjectively satisfying. And he says that for instance, there's certain music he would say that has intrinsic value. You listen to it, and what happens to you in your heart, if you really pay attention to it, you feel drawn outside of yourself to something higher. And it's almost you feel this reverence of like something magnificently beautiful about this music that feels like it's almost heavenly or above me. And it draws me to like outside of myself to something higher. And then there's music, you would say that's more what called subjectively satisfying. And it's more about like, whatever's in me, it kind of tickles me, or it, it kind of makes me, it's about me. It's not about me being drawn to something higher. It's about me being drawn into myself. And so there's, there's a distinction that this is subjectively satisfying. It satisfies some urge in me or some feeling in me or something like that. And, and it's about me. So I, I think what's happening to our culture is we're losing the reality that there's values out there that are independent of me. And when I live in conformity to those values, I feel a deep interior peace because I'm living according to true and beautiful values. But when there's no values out there, I live whatever is subjectively satisfying to me. So if this is satisfying to me today, this music and, yeah. and, and, and satisfying doesn't mean, I mean, it can be because sometimes people are wounded inside. So like people who are angry or hurt and they listen to certain music and beats and it feeds into that and it gives them some type of immediate release because it's like just feels good. But then it's like in the end, they're left kind of like with these lyrics that influence their thinking and their mind and their decision making. 
And then they're at a party and they don't realize how subtle all these things happen in our minds and our hearts. And then they make choices based upon what they were influenced, which is an, a, a very subjectively satisfying world. Do what satisfies you um, to ease your pain um, and not what's objectively good. So and I think we're, we're used to um, have like things like solve like really fast. Even when it comes like to food, we want everything like to <laughs> so even we even do that mm -hmm. unconsciously with our own feelings like you mm -hmm. were saying like mm -hmm. we have like some woods inside of us and we would just like use whatever we find or whatever the world offers us to shut down completely those emotions or those um uh yeah to to try to heal those wounds that or, actually are not healing but or numb the pain numb the pain yes that's the probably the, the correct word yeah. numb the pains and it yeah it's sad but we are seeing it more mm -hmm. often here yeah. mr padre can you pass me that thing inspector well we're, if, if you guys <laughs> if you guys can tell and this is where the show <laughs> this is where it gets interesting uh so we call this la rueda del juicio the wheel of judgment uh returning back from season one uh so you could tell that we are the spooky power rangers today uh, antonio is a black power ranger uh, father ryan is the leader who is the red ranger and i am the blue ranger so we're we're just gonna spin this wheel and on the wheel it says trick or treat so each one of us is gonna take an opportunity to spin it and if it lands on trick, we're going to eat a gummy. But if it lands on trick, uh, we're going to have to pick one of these sour candies and eat it as fast as possible. Oh <laughs> so uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. All right. And you spin it. And it says treat. It says algo. <laughs> Next. All right. Does it just go this way? Or it could go, go either way. Right. <laughs> <Trick>. <laughs> so I gotta eat this super fast. Yeah, so. This is subjectively satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> this is not an intrinsic value of participating in. I gotta eat it real fast. Yeah, it's fast as you can. I gotta eat it fast because you landed on trick. All right, my turn. You're so good. <laughs> Trick. Right. I was like going all over the stores looking for the sourest candy, and I just couldn't mm -hmm. find some. But mm -hmm. we'll get these. Mm -hmm. Sour bit. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me get to return this by the rain. Yep. All right. So going back to youth ministry, yes, Antonio, you have a a special position in the community because you get to like in my opinion see all the different movements of the holy spirit in the hispanic ministry movement i don't know if you ever thought about it like that but since you are in uh coordinador del ministerio español right like what what are some things that that you have seen like maybe trends going on with ministries around the archdiocese Transmitting ministries. So, what I always notice is that 
whenever someone starts like a new group, they're like really excited to start the group and people are like really interested in, in being part of the group. But then after like a certain period of time, like they stop attending the group or uh, start like um, to not be committed as they were at the beginning. And I just feel like when that happens, the, the rest of the team starts like to get discouraged and you see lower attendance because uh, whoever started first was like really excited at the beginning and then that person not even like showing up to the, to the group so other people got discouraged. Um, other things that I have seen um, is the opposite where, where people like really work together and you, they, you actually see that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, some of them, at least I can say, um, El Ministerio de Movimiento Familiar Cristiano. Which is in Pontiac? Pontiac and Troy. So ellos, they work together, they know their mission, and they are growing. Uh, that, that's probably one of the few ministers that I, I have seen that they really work like really. What is, I'm not, well, I'm not going an to. An expert. An expert, yeah, but. Um, and not to throw shade at anybody. Yes, exactly. I don't, I don't want other <laughs> no, ministers. No, that's Ricky. Yeah. Criticando. So I don't I want to um, criticize. But, uh, but yeah, I, whenever people work together and uh, like really have the, the, the mission and the vision like clear amongst all of the group members, then the group flourishes and people uh, start like, attending the group and, and and you can see but whenever they're like fighting or disagreeing or not working together then things start like to fall apart because not even like the leadership team is able like to to get um, on the same track so that's those are like two things that I see uh, and what else um, and then as far as like involvement with the archdiocese like as because I, I don't know how if, if the people watching really understand um like how involved or how connected the hispanic ministry has been with with the archdiocese if, if that makes sense like like we we've had conferences at jóvenes right in the hombres uh but those have only been around for the past i think 13 mm -hmm. 14 years or so right like yeah, so it's, and we're not trying to get in trouble with the archdiocese. No, <laughs> Hispanic ministry is really complex because uh, we have different realities in uh, at parishes. So we have some parishes that have both cultures. They have like the Hispanic community. And they also have like the Anglo community. We have people who who um, speak only English. People who only speak Spanish. Sometimes it's hard like to have communication when both groups are are working together because of the language. We uh, have uh, a bunch of ministries among parishes, but sometimes uh, those ministries work directly with the priests in the parish, not with the diocese. We only have two ministries that are officially, that have gone through the official paperwork with, um, with the chancellor, which is uh, La Federación de Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe and Escuela de Evangelización San Andrés. 
So it's a whole process. It's not just like, oh, yes, I want to be to be part of the the diocese. They actually have to go through a process with um, with the chancellor, and because there's a lot of paperwork that needs to be submitted, review, and then until it's approved, then they become like official ministries that are entailed to the to the diocese and the office of Hispanic um, ministry. This is just a yeah. personal like. Obviously, we're, none of us are really exper yeah. experts except other men, yeah. I would say. <laughs> but even then, we're all human. But um, how big of a difference do you think those those connections make with 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 the ministry? Like to to have because there's like a lot of ministerios <laughs> that don't generally uh, participate or are connected, whereas you know, like with with uh, Corazon Puro, we, we've talked about mm -hmm. going through that process. Um, do you think it, it makes a huge difference? Mm. I think it does because it helps um, to have a more organized structure within the church. Uh, I mean, we know the ministries that we have around the, the diocese, but it would be helpful that other ministries from different parts of the diocese know of the ministries that are not inside their parish, but that are happening at other communities. Like for example, uh, people who are on the north part of the diocese probably don't even know that uh, we have Hispanic ministry on the south region of the diocese because the like the territory is so big within their diocese that I just feel that sometimes. Um, the ministries among them no, do not know each other. I mean, I kind of know who the ministries are because I I, um, I work with, with them because they're the ones who are volunteering to do volunteering to the, the conferences for the archdiocese. But I just feel like, for example, um, people in Imlay City probably don't even know that uh, Corazón Puro exists in Santana. And if they knew, they, they could probably, I don't know, send young adults uh, to your monthly meetings that they're having. Or Father Ryan mentioned that um, you send people to New York. If they knew, they could probably, like, I don't know, send someone who's interested in learning more about Corazon Puro. But I, I just feel that we need to be more connected and more... I don't know. Well, I don't here, know here's a question. Or, 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 I'm not sure if I'm answering your, yeah, yeah, your question. Well, my, my question was a bit confusing too, but I'm also trying to see where I'm going with this. Okay. But where do you see our community? Like before we could focus about bringing other people, like particularly in Southwest Detroit, how are our communities? And this is an open question to you too, Father mm -hmm. Ryan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just see the Hispanic community more integrated with the rest of the, the church uh, in the future. Um, I just feel that, uh, that, that... What do you mean by the rest of the church? What I mean with the rest of the church, um, we need to break like the barrier of the... Um, of having like two different cultures, like, oh, Hispanic culture and uh, Anglo culture, which is what I see on, on some parishes, we just need to, to be able to to work together, to be able to share like the rich the richness uh, of um, Hispanic culture with the rest of the of the church. Um, so that's that's what I, I see that needs to happen because on the parishes that are predominantly Hispanic, 
that's not a problem because most of them are like Hispanic, like 90% are Hispanic. But on the parishes that are like 60% uh, Anglo, 40% Spanish, uh, 20% Spanish, 80% Spanish, we still have that their barrier because when it comes like to doing uh, ministry or events, uh, we have to do either separate um, events because of the language and we cannot incorporate like uh, our brothers who only speak English or vice versa. So I'm not sure if I'm explaining myself, but I just, I just my hope is that we are able like to even offer like bilingual events, even if the Hispanic community is organizing the event, if it's a bilingual event for other people like to join or um so pretty much get get the different cultures working together yeah. while while at the same time not uh giving up some of their already like cultural roots like for example like let's say i don't know um and i'm, I'm trying to think of events that we particularly have in the history i'm going to give you like one example like this year for the first time we hosted a uh, so each year we host uh, La Conferencia de Nuestra Señora de Guadalupe, which is a conference that, that, that used to happen only in Spanish. But for the first time, we were able to offer a conference in English to the Anglo community uh, for them to learn about Our Lady Guadalupe. So the, the conference was completely in English. Well, I went there to the one that was in Spanish. I didn't mm -hmm. even know that. Yeah, to the, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, so it was the same presenter. He was bilingual. And he was able to to present um, part of the conference in English to to a parish. So I think that needs to happen more, where we are able like to expose the beauty of um, of our of how we live our faith as, as Hispanic with the rest of the church. Hmm. I'm not sure if I'm gonna explain okay, myself. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. What, what about you, Father? What do you, what do you think? Yeah. What was the question? Yeah. It was, <laughs> it's, like, it's a bit confusing. Well. Um, perhaps where do you see our, our community mm -hmm. in Southwest Detroit? Like the, our, and this involves the different <laughs> ministries like marriage formation, uh, Corignis, um, the Florecitas, like, like each one of them is, how would I say, doing their thing, helping, like, <coughs> if it's holiness or if it's mm -hmm. marriage, but like what... what like what? What would you say the state of Hispanic ministry is in Southwest Detroit? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a big one. Uh, let's see. And here. I mean, the reason I, I, like, I'm I'm trying to challenge all of us here because not to not to sound arrogant, but you know, you you you're involved with many uh, ministries. Obviously, Antonio, director del Ministerio Hispano, which are probably some questions that. You, yes. <laughs> and then me, like I've, I've been involved uh, in ministry and various with catechism, youth groups, Conferencia de Hombres, también Antonio ahí. So we're I say this because we're involved in many mm -hmm. different things. So, mm -hmm. and obviously our our answers aren't. We don't know everything, but you're just from your point of view, like, mm -hmm. well, how do you see? Our communities right now yeah i would say first thing like thinking about um the the people too is that um you know there's those like i want to like point out what's really good and what's really good is the, the latinos have faith like they have faith they'll they'll kneel before the blessed sacrament they'll walk carry candles on their knees in in a church 
like they have the beautiful gift of faith, majority of them. In some Anglo churches I've gone to, it's like, it's really, you don't see such devotion at least, you know? So, so I think that the, the spirit, there's like a fire of, of devotion and faith enough to fire up a lot of, a lot of people. But then there's also the people who, you know, they're just like go to mass on Sundays whenever they want, you know, or the, the fathers or the dads or the men are not being real leaders in faith of their families. And it's like, they're going there because their wife is like basically forcing them, you know, and, um, and they take a lot of, um, they minimize the kid, the kids lose their kind of zeal and devotion, you know, without having good father figures. And, um, <clears throat> part of that's American culture, part of that's Mexican culture too. Like, you, you know, it can't be too devotional, man. You gotta be like, work hard, make your money and, you know, do your stuff on the weekend, you know, and not be a man who gets on his knees in prayer. But, but I will say I've met a lot of beautiful, faith-filled Mexican men who are really fathers. I mean, in the best sense that I've ever seen in my life, you know. Um, so, and then also our people are moving a lot, you know. Um, some of the things that is, it hasn't happened a lot, but it's hard being a priest and connecting with certain people who, um, some of them go back to Mexico or, you know, deported and it, it's it, it's really hard on me as a priest to see it. I'm thinking of um, one guy from Hernandez who, who who went back, you know, and you know it's getting to know his family, you know him, and then you know seeing him gone, and it's a it's a loss. And then our people are moving too, like you know, like a lot of our people live in Lincoln Park, and they're even moving mm-hmm. in other areas. So it's kind of like Southwest is yeah. There's a there's a strong Hispanic community still. But there's a, a, a moving community too. Of, uh, and then you have different generations. You, know, you have the older generations, more their faith, Sunday masses, boom, boom, boom. But then you also, and I, I think I, I see this with some uh, other pastors in our family or at Southwest Detroit. They're like, what's wrong with my parish? Everything's fine. I mean, church is full of people. Yeah, but you know, those kids, mm-hmm. those kids are not growing in, in faith. You know, um, they're not going to have the same faith as their parents because their parents come from, you know, San Ignacio. And it's like, yeah, you go to church on Sunday, whether no matter how you feel or no matter what fiestas you had the night before, you're still Sunday mats, you know, be there. Where these kids are, they're coming from a different that's influence that their parents aren't, you know, it's it, they're mixed cultures, really. They're different partially different culture that they're being part of. So I would say that I think we have a lot of like good material, like fire. I think there's a lot of like programs. I think people are excited about stuff. I think that, um, I think that I I do think we could do more for the youth. I I mean, like, for instance, like, I I don't even know how many, I don't think there's any parish in Southwest Detroit that has a full-time youth minister, paid full-time youth minister. Yet, we'll have a full-time business manager and nothing against that. You got to do the finances. I get that. But at the same time, it's like if our investment's in the youth, let, let's really put where our mouth speaks. And um, and like uh, and like that's why, like, for instance, our youth groups, like I have to do these like creative fundraisers because I want kids to be able, let's go horseback riding or let's do this. It costs money. And I want them to just have a free, good experience. But it's like I got to do a lot of work to uh, raise money. So I, I think that like the focus on the youth, but I, but the other problem, and this is totally out of my control is also the leadership and especially the priest, uh, working together in a way that, and it's a hard balance to sit and say, the people mean more to me and the youth than my 
saving my church. Being able to sit and say that if, if, if like, if, if I can benefit the community and the youth at the, and, and I, and doing that, I have to lose my church, my church building, uh, unwilling to do it. And you know what, even like me, I love St. Anne's. I love Holy Trinity. I want them to flourish. I have a heart for them. They've been part of my community, but it, I would rather see youth come to Christ than save St. Anne's or Holy Trinity or any, I would, if we just had one church in Southwest Detroit, um, San Gabriel or Holy Redeemer, and that's the only one we have. If that's what we need to do to work together to save the people, I'm, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to sacrifice because, because I love the persons, you know? And, um, I think sometimes the, the, the hard part with the priest and it's all of us is that we're assigned to a parish and we usually get a salary through, you know, usually it's a charter school, um, that's connected with the parish. So the priest gets paid to basically take care of this parish. And so right there creates a tension and really being able to minister to our people as a whole. And, um, and, and that's the sober reality about it. And, I don't blame the priest. I'm not trying to be like, you guys should be just like, you know, this, you know, um, what do they call it? Um, distancia, um, detach, detach, you know, like you guys have to be detached. It's hard for them because they want to see their community grow. Um, but I think that's a, a hard part because it's like, how do we, uh, like, I think, how do we just work together is like, let's do you stuff, but we're, it's the parochial. And I think that's a, a larger issue is because culturally we had so many Catholics, so we had so many churches. And so it just naturally all these churches close by grew and they were flourishing because they had, they had enough people. But now that we have minimized people, but we have more churches, what do we, what do we need to do? And I, I think that's a real obstacle because I think Sometimes I think with the youth groups, if I had like three other priests who came to the youth groups that I have, or are we just two by two, we could do that. We're only like down the street, you know, but there's a part of like, oh, that's at Santa Ana, that's at Holy Redeemer, that's, you know, and um, I think that's something that, that needs to at least be talked about to, to work through. I think if we could break through that somehow and really work together as team leaders, I think that would make things um the flourish and then creative things like, you know, doing more like I, I always wanted to do like a taco blessing mm -hmm. thing where like all us priests get together in a truck and then we go to different taco trucks and we just like, boom, you guys hear confessions. Mm -hmm. I'll bless the taco truck. We'll do some praise and worship. Boom, back in the truck to another taco truck, you know, like and if we did that as a team, yeah. you know, like more, more outreach stuff. But I think the temptation for some priests is like, hey, my yeah, it's pretty full, you know. So as long as my as long as my parish is full with people, I'm content. I think there's a, there's a word for that in the Unch the Gospel. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, like meeting the status quo or something like that. Mm. Like not just just uh, what I think of. Like maybe a lot of priests are just like, no, we're we're doing enough just to get by, but we're not trying to go above and and think about ten, fifteen, twenty years from now. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but. Uh, and not not to throw shade at any priest, you know we they, they sacrifice so much, and but like you said, it's 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 difficult because on the one hand, uh, you 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 want the best for your community, but at the same time, as as a larger community, we're seeing less priests, and and unless and this is just my opinion, unless we all come together to try to help out the 
the, the issue is not going to get resolved. And that's what the family of parishes is, that structure, the changing of the structure is to create the changing of how we serve. Like technically, I am a priest. I am I am a priest at St. Hedwig, St. Francis C.C., uh, St. Anne, St. I am. But am I working at any of those parishes? No, because it just hasn't taken off yet. But technically, that's how I'm assigned. What, what do you guys think have, has been um – Roadblocks for that because we've been doing this for two years now, maybe the the how much I'm gonna families of parishes mm-hmm. like that. What, what do you what do you, you you mentioned one that the priests sometimes focus on on their own parishes, but mm-hmm. I don't know, Tony, like the two point of vista, que ves? it's just really that it's uh, hard for everyone because not everyone is used to to change, uh, and it's going to take time, it's not like something that is going to happen. Uh, from day to night, it's, it's going to take time. Uh, and I, I was going to say something uh, when when Father Ryan was was saying that we do need to invest on the on the youth because if we don't do it right now, we're going to see the consequences later on. Uh, Pope Francis says that the youth are the the present of the church, not the future, but the present. And if we don't invest on the youth, we are going to um, we're not going to see them at, at church in the future. Uh, we 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 are. Uh, this is not just something for for Detroit, but it's it's happening around the country. I get to work with uh, the national network of pastoral juvenil, and most of the Hispanic communities they don't have someone hired uh, to do full time youth ministry, and it's only people who are willing to sacrifice. Uh, their time to help with youth ministry. They're already involved with other ministries. They're doing family ministry. They're doing um, prayer ministry, but they catechism. catechism, but they, 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 they know that there's a need for, for youth ministry. So they would add something else to their plates and say, I'll volunteer to do youth ministry when, when they already have a bunch of things going on as well. And, it's a problem across the U.S. We need to invest on, on the youth because the Hispanic population, the Hispanic uh, youth, uh, are the majority of the church already. But we are not going to see them in the future in the in the pews if we don't invest right now in them. So we we need to start now. Yeah, yeah, I think because like I would say there are people that are investing them in them, and which should raise some red flags because like who. What organizations are the ones that are investing in the youth, and mm-hmm. what kind of messages are they like promoting in those said organizations? And not to throw shade again at any organization in Southwest Detroit, but I have seen organizations that invest in their youth, which is great. But behind all that is but not religious organizations. No, mm-hmm. they they give ideologies that go contrary to mm-hmm. the faith. And so I, I've spoken about this, I think, in other podcasts where I I want to see uh, our communities stronger. And, you know, I, I don't want them to lose their faith. And the thing about universities is that, like you said earlier, it gets pushed on from a very early age. And, you know, in itself, to get a degree is not necessarily bad. But I would say many as that go to college, they're going because they think that's a measure for their success or that's a measure for what's going to make them happy. And then that was the case for me. I thought that becoming an engineer, getting a good job, 
would make me fulfilled. But once they get to university, um, they're exposed to like all of these Marxist ideals that are going to try to push away God and indoctrinate them into certain beliefs. I remember I was watching, I think it was Matt Fred on YouTube, and he had a guest who mentioned that that colleges and universities used to be these great places for having dialogue and great conversations and really subtle questions about philosophy. But right now they're more of like indoctrination, like rather than you going there to learn and like expand your, your brains, you're going there to be brainwashed into certain beliefs. And so I would, what I would like to see in our community, and obviously it's a, it's an immigrant community. I don't know the whole history of Southwest Detroit. And so there's, you know, incoming generations, generations that are leaving. But I do feel like the longer we, we spend here in Southwest Detroit, the more we're going to see students that are going to college and that are coming back into our communities and who are bringing those uh, ideas from the people that did, uh, uh, como se dice, um, invested in them. Mm-hmm. which is going to be, again, things that go against our faith and, and our family ideals. Um, so I guess all that to say, we, we definitely need to invest in our youth and, uh, and support one another. And uh, with that being said, do you guys hear that? No. No? I don't know. We're gonna do one more round. (laughs) 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 This time, you start. I'll go first. (laughs) Treat, treat me. (laughs) All right. Oh, broke off. What's happening? What's happening? It's kind of stuck in the middle. Let's again. <laughs> Wait. All right, I'm what gonna do it so the... forcefully. Okay. <laughs> it's stuck again. <laughs> Did it really? Okay. Treat. Treat. Nice. All right, so I guess just, I don't know. Like, uh, what do you guys think about this conversation? Any topics that you think that we didn't cover that you guys would like to talk about or discuss? It's it's Friday. It's uh, it's today the feast of Our Lady of Victory. Um, Our Lady of the Rosary. Our Lady of the Rosary. So yeah, it's a Friday night, seven p.m. Uh, yeah. I, I would say for me, like I, I don't know. I just. Um, with the youth, I was going to say with, uh, oh yeah, with the youth groups is, um, um, I don't know, just in my own heart, I feel really devoted to the youth. I, um, maybe it's cause I, I, there's different reasons. Like my, when I was a kid in high school, I was really wild. And my dad, I didn't talk to my dad for two years. And my dad was very devoted to his youth group at the parish. And I think it was in, in hopes that his son would return and, you know, and just seeing my dad being dedicated to youth um, when he was uh, at his church I went to. And I, I think for me that resonates. And then to the Philippian spirit, I've been so informed by the spirit of St. Philip Neri. And saying, you think about other saints, St. John, um, 
uh, Don Bosco, St. Don Bosco, um, who had such a great love for the youth. And, um, and I think for me too, like, I, I, I don't know, it's just something in my heart that it's like, I just feel like, man, I want to rescue the youth um, because I am convinced that it, it, that the light of Jesus can is the greatest happiness and, and really makes life full and can really make full. And I think too, maybe it's also like the idea of like how you can be creative, you know, to reach youth. I, I feel like the church is the United States, it's Southwest Detroit. Like even Southwest Detroit is is moving. We you know we used to have the kind of Sunday mass as long as you go to Sunday mass and maybe participate in some groupos. But now it's like an invitation to really do like unique ways of evangelizing because our youth are getting really lost. Because I mean lacrosse, you have a lacrosse. Yes, that's yeah. very creative. Yeah, Chris Terra's <laughs> lacrosse group, and it gives me great joy to see the youth enjoy what they're doing and and enjoy the group and and be able to grow in Christ because. Like one of the things we're going to in Las Flores is like actually because you mentioned like they're so influenced by stuff. It's 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 a different culture. So like even our Las Flores, we're going to have them, you know, share each other's top, you know, playlist on your song and then be able to look at the lyrics and just reflect on them. Like, you know, and and once even young people reflect and say, oh, yeah, father, this is really like shallow. Like mm-hmm. I can see why, you know, even though the beat is nice, but I can see like, look at what they're talking about and giving them a bigger vision of, of what life is. So but that's like more like creative, unique ways of like trying to to reach people. And I, I think like um, I just don't want to see on, I, I guess maybe as a priest, like I don't want to see um uh, youth destroyed, destroying their lives. And I, I observed enough people who made poor choices when they were young and it's really sad what the result is. And they're even disappointing themselves. And, um, and definitely like kids who fall into despair, uh, and then whatever that despair leads them to, like, like, I don't want to see any youth die from like a drug overdose. I don't want to see any youth just like strung out by chasing addicted to porn or chasing after all this false stuff. And I want to see a youth who knows how much they are loved, how much they're loved by Christ, how much they're a gift to the community and to be a gift towards others. Because being a gift towards others really makes you fully human when you see that you're a gift towards others. So, so I don't know. I, I don't know what it is in the Lord. Like, I mean, we always needed youth ministry, but maybe I feel like there's more of, um, a violence, towards youth that's that's taking place right now and i don't see enough strength in the catholic church and i would say southwest detroit the mother church in southwest detroit and not talking about mother is mother church you know or mother is blessed mother i'm, I'm using the image of mother is like the, the church's care of the youth i don't feel like we're we're really caring for our youth i i feel like we're kind of content with what we're gone and if they're outside we just kind of like, well, let's invite them, you know, send them an Instagram message or we're not really like willing to like be go. The, the, the shepherd that goes for the, the missing sheep. Yeah. Yeah. Really go out there in creative ways. Like, guys, how can we if they're at this club, how can we reach them? Or or I mean, one of the things with youth groups that I develop is I always wanted to have an attractive, a natural attraction, something fun like the Cristeros, they play lacrosse something that attracts them in a natural way. And then we bring forth 
the divine, you know, the divine attraction. So, so, I mean, but there's so much we could do that's creative instead of just doing like, and nothing against with general youth groups, like, okay, youth group, Saturday night, da, 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 boys and girls meet together. And then we just think of something every week. Usually you get those kids who are already like their parents are making them go or, you know, whatever they're doing it for confirmation, but to really like, engage the youth and reach where they're at somehow or draw them through attractive things they're really attracted to. Um, and then with accompaniment, trying to create a way that there can be like uh, friendships in Christ that, that start to develop where they can be vulnerable, real. And that's one thing for our youth groups. I always tell the girls and the boys, I tell them like, and the young adults, like, like I want this youth group to be a place that you can really be accepted and belonged and really loved. Like you are know you are loved, you know, in this group and also balancing between being honest about what's going on. Like, okay, transgenderism, like this is going on father, like, or my friend is this and I feel actually they have a right to this. You know, I want them to have an atmosphere where they're free to open up on this stuff. But at the same time to sit and say that we do lead this in a faith perspective, but I don't want it to be in such a way that it's like, you don't belong anymore because you think a different thought or you're being influenced in a different way. No, you're still our friend and we love you in Christ because you're more than your opinion about reality. You know, you're deeper than that. You're, we see Christ in you. Yeah. Frankie. Um, I don't know. I think for me is, it's just for, for everybody, anybody that's listening that is a young adult, just, uh, just I, I want to share. We need you because, <laughs> like, I don't know about you, Antonio and Father Ryan, but sometimes it gets hard, like mm-hmm. doing so much, and and the, there's so much to do, but there's so many few workers. Mm-hmm. And so, if if at all you're someone, and you may not even be a, a young adult, like whatever, like if, if you hear, if you're watching this podcast, and you you see a need in in your community, definitely reach out to uh, your 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 priest or just start to to use your talents and your gifts because uh you you do have gifts that other people don't have like some of the gifts that i have antonio doesn't have and some of the gifts that antonio has other ryan doesn't have and so yes individually we can use our gifts to to serve the community but it would be so much better if all of us were working together and so this is just an invitation uh, that we, we need you in our ministries. We need you in our communities. We need you in the church. Antonio. I just um, want, to, want to invite everyone as well, just like to, to seek God. Because we, we are living in a, in a world that is... Um, that is just crazy. And I want to encourage you to see God, to, to know that you're not by yourself, that there's always uh, people who care for you. Uh, there are priests who are giving their hearts uh, uh, to do ministry, like Father Ryan, uh, leaders like Ricky, who are trying their best to, to continue spreading the, the good news. And, and like Ricky said, we want you. We want we want to see you here. We want to 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 see the the talents that you have that God has given you. We want them to to we want those talents to 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 be able to help other people as well. Uh, 
Um, so if you you have encountered God in your life, you have uh, drifted away. Come back. We we are waiting for you. If you have not met God, there's always uh, opportunities. Um, there's always uh, events that the community uh, is organizing. I invite you just like to go to any of those events that any parish might be hosting. Uh, at the end. Uh, all we need is God, um, in my opinion. You might not have that perspective right now, but I invite you to to give God the opportunity to be part of your life. And if that doesn't work, uh, then do whatever you want. But I'm pretty sure that God is going to to, to have an encounter with you. He, he wants you as well, so come back to the church. Can I share one more little thing? Go ahead, go ahead. I just want to say, too, because we did, um, I mentioned a little bit of suicide and stuff, and that can be in some people's minds and stuff. Um, but if that's in your mind, um, please get help. Uh, reach out. The best, thing, the best thing you can do is just tell somebody, hey, this is what's going on, and I need help. And I just want to encourage anybody who's struggling with d- despair or depression like that to, to, to bring it into the light and can be saved. And last thing I want to mention is just about despair, like, you know, not letting despair have the last word. Um, the last word is that you are a saint. You are a saint. And no matter what circumstances you are, and I think I think uh, some of our youth, like, I, I think about the one kid who went into despair because there was a negative thing shared on, or somebody blackmailed him on social media, and he was embarrassed about it. He fell into despair. And that no matter what things that you can feel like are despairing moments or like everything's gone, everything's ruined, uh, that the fa- God the Father does not say that to you. He says, you are a saint and you will be a saint. And this can all be turned into good. And so look up to the Father who loves you and keep going, even if the world looks down at you. Don't give up. Don't let despair have the last word. Um, the resurrection Jesus has the last word in your life. Well, thank you guys for joining us. I, it's uh, the, I think the longest podcast we've had so far. Which I don't mind. Like, if Joe Rogan can do three hours, can do four. So yeah, I mean, I think the last thoughts for me is I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be involved in in youth ministry just because I'm I'm not like. I'm not going to be a young adult anymore, <laughs> but I, I do see myself, you know, obviously going wherever the Lord uh, calls me, but I, I do want to share this video with the current generation, but also just future generations to know that that Christ is working in his church and that he's calling us all to be saints. So thank you, Tony. Thank you. Thank you, Father thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Father. Um, this is the, the time now mm-hmm. for any shameless plugs for ministries that you're involved with. I know you got an event coming up on Sunday, yes. so um, mm-hmm. I think I'll, I'll let you go and then follow around. Yeah, so we have a, a group called uh, Jovenes Santo Torio Roma. We're having a, an outing to a cider meal um, this Sunday at 11.15. Uh, you're more than welcome to come to... I'm not sure when this podcast is going it's to It's probably going to come yeah. out uh, after. <laughs> after, yeah. So never mind. But we have a, uh, a young adult group at Most Holy Redeemer Parish. You're more than welcome to 
to come to our, to our event. Uh, you can follow our social media pages on Instagram as STR, um, Jovenes STR, and on Facebook as well. We usually post uh, the events there, and you're more than welcome to come. It's for young adults, 18 to 35, and we hope to see you there. So would this be our for the bonfire? Whatever you want to share. So, um, uh, yeah, we have a young adult group called Known Poro. It's called the Corey Ignis Detroit, and October 16th at 7 p.m. Sunday. Um, it's Sunday, right? Yeah, I think yeah, it's Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Um, we're going to have a bonfire at Bishop Hanchin's house um, to to talk about um, whatever's brought up um, about faith or questions people have. So, um, want to invite you to that. That's been a, a really good group. Um, and then, of course, for the younger kids, we have um, Las Flores, which is girls 14 to 17, and we meet at Holy Trinity uh, Church, and we do different events, you know, go out for pizza and gelato sometimes in Corktown um, with our youth, but do faith talks and sharing. And then we have our, and we meet every two times a month. So it, it depends on, you can find information at St. Anne's um, website. And then also uh, Cristeros, we meet every Friday at the gym at Holy Trinity Church, and we pray to teach the kids how to play lacrosse. University of Detroit Mercy uh, lacrosse players teaches the kids how to play lacrosse, and um, and then um, and then we do um, short faith talks for for the boys. So uh, those are the activities for the youth so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I have uh, so obviously Jornadas. Jornadas has a, a yearly retreat. Um, I don't know when our next retreat might be. I think it might be postponed until 2023 or maybe even 2024. But regardless, whenever you you watch this video, just ask around about Jornadas. Uh, Usually we have a yearly retreat um, that's open to uh, young adults that are 18 to 35 that aren't married or have children. Uh, And then also uh, right now I'm the coordinator for the um, youth group for Our Lady of Guadalupe Parish. Um, so if, if you have any younger siblings, <clears throat> younger siblings, or even children that are 13 to 18 years old, we meet on the third floor of Our Lady of Guadalupe uh, every Thursday from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think, I think oh, the rosary nights. Um, we, we have those usually uh, during the summer, uh, uh, once, once a month on, on Fridays. But I'll give you guys more information in the future. Uh, I don't know, Tony, do you have any other? No, I was just going to say that we we also have Bible studies. Um, our next Bible study is going to be November 12. Uh, but go and look up our social media pages because we're going to post the, the address there. It's going to be here in Southwest Detroit at a house. But I don't know the, that's the street name or the number, but make sure you check the, the Facebook page and the Instagram page. Uh, for the flyer yeah. alright so Brother Ryan uh, if you could close us off in prayer mm-hmm. and then as always we have to invite the listeners to pray the rosary mm-hmm. and so since <clears throat> since it's three of us let's see how we can do it uh, I'll say pray the rosary how, how can we do this since it's three of us you, you maybe maybe we all just three times say pray the rosary so we yeah. you say it first no we, we, we all say it three we times. say it three times okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we pray the rosary pray the rosary pray the rosary all three of us okay. at the same time yeah okay so you can close this up yeah okay in the name of father son and holy spirit loving father we thank you for this gift and this movement in our hearts um obviously there's something of you 
that's speaking to us about the need to evangelize our youth. We ask you to, Holy Spirit, to pour your zeal into our hearts. And just like you lifted up the hearts of St. Philip, St. John Bosco, uh, St. Don Bosco, these famous saints who had such a zeal for the youth, may you raise up um, all all those who are leaders in the church and all those who are called to the baptismal life to evangelize have a deep desire to save our youth in Christ. The greatest gift we can give them is Christ. So, Holy Spirit, please flood our hearts, flood our minds with wisdom, how to save our youth. And please, Blessed Mother, we give all our youth to you, to your hands. We. Dios te salve, María, llena de gracia, Señor es contigo. Bendita tú eres entre todas las mujeres, y bendito es el fruto de tu vientre, Jesús. Santa María, Madre de Dios, ruega por nosotros, pecadores, ahora en la hora de nuestra muerte. Amén. La bendición de Dios Toroso, Padre, Hijo y Espíritu Santo. Amén. Amén. Well, thank you guys again for joining us. Thank you for all the listeners and viewers. I hope that this was a, a, a good show to watch and to listen to. I hope that it, it caused some uh, spark or some tingle in your heart that wants you to I don't know, go go and tell people about Jesus. I don't know. Or maybe it was just like uh, not that exciting. I don't know. But I, I hope that it helped in some way. Uh, if you would like to support the mission of Cafe Con Santos, you can do so by following our Facebook page where we pray a daily rosary. You, su- you could subscribe to our YouTube channel. And then most importantly, you could keep uh, us in your prayers. So wherever you are, I hope you enjoy the rest of the day. And please, 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 always remember. Pray pray the rosary, pray pray the rosary, pray the rosary. rosary. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks.